My guest for the show today is Tabita Inyamwira, a 27-year-old Kenyan beauty currently living and working in Budapest, Hungary. She is passionate and volunteering for a good cause, especially NGOs focusing on women and children. She loves to travel, she loves fashion, acting, and has experienced different cultural shock. And on today's episode, we are discussing her journey from Kenya to Budapest, Hungary. I am Sarah Oseki, and this is She Tabletop Podcast. Hello, Tabita. Hello. Thank you for joining me today on the table. You're welcome, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Okay. So you are from KN, and you're currently living in Hungary? Mm, yes. Okay, so in your mail, you shared some things you're passionate about like volunteering for a good cause, Mm -hmm. especially for women and children. Yes. Okay, so why focusing on women and children, if I may ask? Um, I feel like women and children do not get the same opportunity as compared to men. And it's high time uh, in this society that women are given a chance to prove like we are able to do much better and women are the caregiver mostly the caregivers for children and if women are not in a good place mentally physically health then that means even the children sometimes suffer those consequences so that's why i love to make sure like volunteering for though for women and children it gives me the satisfaction knowing like yeah you're going i'm going to leave uh, this earth in a better place than i found it Okay, that's a nice one. All right, so you shared that you also love to travel, experience different cultures, fashion, and acting. Yeah. And on today's episode, we are talking about uh, life in the diaspora for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so share with us. We want to know everything about you from your introduction about yourself, growing up, childhood, life in the diaspora, and so much more. The table is yours now. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, so my name is Tabitha Nyawira and I'm a Kenyan, uh, born and raised in Kenya. Uh, but sometimes when I was growing up, some people confused me to be a bit Ethiopian because I have a bit of uh, physical features as Ethiopian, but I'm really fully uh, Kenyan. And I'm 27 years old. Uh, I come from a family of four and I'm the firstborn. I love traveling, acting, and dancing, and I like volunteering. So I like to uh, work or volunteer and improve my skills in those fields. And uh, currently, I'm trying out acting because I really, really love acting. So I'm trying to look for roles, especially here in Budapest, that I can start with uh, in acting. And I also love dancing, so anytime I get a chance, I try to dance, especially summer. And uh, my passion, as it was mentioned, I love traveling, I love experiencing different cultures and food. And that's how I was so fascinated. Uh, When I grow up, I want to start traveling. And during my life uh, from when I was born and growing up uh, at home, I used to watch a lot of um, TV series from different countries, especially they used to have these um, series from Filipino and mostly Mexican movies. And I really used to get fascinated of how, like there are people out there who look very different from us, you know, the hair, the color of their skin, their language, their food. And it used to fascinate me how, like, between uh, their countries looked a bit different. So I used to get interested in how they were acting and everything. So I decided, like, when I grow up, I really want to visit these places. And the first place I actually wanted to visit was Venezuela, to be specific, Caracas. I haven't gone there yet, but I hope one day I will be there. But at least I got the opportunity to travel to Philippines uh, while I was working in India. 
and uh, yeah so my school experience growing up was um a bit different because i didn't move much in school but i moved quite a few uh, like three schools uh, one was private and the other one was public and you know public and private are very different experiences so when i when i was growing up i went to kindergarten in private it was very uh different experience we used to go to different zoos during holidays you know mm. we used to do a lot of art and crafts as a child you are uh, being exposed to this kind of uh, experiences it actually molds you and i really really used to love art and crafts and all those things and then when my parents moved from one region to another but still in nairobi the capital city of nairobi i was taken to a public school and this is was the time when there was a new president who was mighty back then and he made free education for all the schools the public schools and my dad was like so it's time you experience a bit of public school and since it's free i'm not paying any school fees so i didn't have a choice so i just had to access it because i was young then and i was like okay then cool let me try and see uh, it was a bit of culture shock I, uh the school was big we were so many because since it was free like every parent took their children to the public school so there was an influx of a lot of children and the schools could not accommodate everyone so we had to do some exams to make sure that we passed the exams and the cutoff point which i did and then our own desks because the school didn't have money and it was a public school so we had to buy our desks and these things were very shocking because i never knew like some kids used to go through this kind of experiences and the school was a bit far from where you used to live and there was no school vans because a lot of public schools do not offer school vans so i had to walk to school every day and if i remember it was almost about 30 minutes to 40 minutes to get to school and i used to have like a big backpack with books which i used to carry to and from from uh from the school back home it was a good experience i learned a lot of perseverance you know like being independent which was good uh but then after one year my parents decided to move again to a different town and then this is primary school until i when i was about 12 yeah 12 years so between 6 to 12 years i went to a private school yeah so uh my parents decided to move to a different town and this is where there was another culture shock coming from a public school again to a private school and then uh it is a new school it's a different town and ever uh, had friends so peer pressure there was peer pressure identity crisis and this is where now you are starting to uh to experience adolescence you know and when i was growing up i used to be tiny and my mom used to be like you should eat a lot like you should eat a lot and become big you know you're too tiny and i was like why do i have to become big you know i never used to understand how why do i have to change myself but when i started going to the private school it kind of makes sense because i used to be picked uh, on a lot by the other kids and since it was a mixed school it was boys and girls and you know how boys can be they just used to pick on you they just talk to talk to you how they uh, they want they never used to consider like you have feelings or how are you feeling so i i went under a lot of peer pressure at that time and i never used to like my school that much so my mom didn't understand how come every day when i come home i used to be quiet and everything and for her it was like oh, it's normal it's probably stress for school uh, school work or exams so i had to find at least something that i can do in order to make sure that i don't 
you go into depression. And as a young girl, you never understood what is depression at that time. So I used to be good in games, uh, like running. So I started uh, going for games uh, during uh, free time in school. And actually I realized I was good and I used to compete in a hundred meter for the school. And I, I was really good and I was really good in my studies. I, I think I was like an A student because I used to perform well. And in that time, before I finished my primary school, I was elected as a prefect for the class. And actually this kind of changed my, uh, my perception that I can be good in anything that I want. And uh, the peer pressure didn't start, I didn't get it uh, to me again. And then during that time, uh, there was a position for bell ringer, like ringing bells for changing, for teachers to change their classes. And I was selected. And I remember my dad asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said a watch so that I can use it uh, during the bell, being a bell ringer. It was a different experience, but I think it led to more people like picking me on because they used to tell me, go and ring the bell. We don't want to attend this class, you know, change your watch. And I never used to understand, like, why do uh, my classmates just don't want to listen or be in class? But it didn't let me, like, feel bad or anything. So I just focused on my studies and at the end of the primary school, uh, we always do our national exams so that you can be selected to go to high school. And I passed, but it was not the, what I expected. I expected like I would pass to get uh, 400 out of 500 marks, but I got uh, 360 out of 500. And when you get 360, that means you'll either go to a good provincial school or if there's a chance to go to a national school. Uh, in my selection, I chose uh, some good national schools, but I didn't get the cutoff points, so I had to go to a provincial school. But I didn't get to be selected to the provincial school I wanted. And I remember my grandmother said, oh, you can come to a provincial school that's near my, where I live at home and you can be coming during weekends. And I was like, I don't want, at that time, because you're young, you don't want to be near your grandma, you know, because they know there's a strict here. So I said no. And I had to look for a different provincial school. So I chose another provincial school and that's where I ended up. And now, since I have finished uh, primary, it's another culture shock being in high school. And then the difference is it's boarding. And I've never been into a boarding school. So this is where you spend three months in boarding school and then you have like a month uh, to go home. And it was very difficult because not eating food from home and then being in class in the morning by 5 a.m., it was a bit difficult but since I was a bookworm to me it was okay and I loved studying. My high school uh, life was good. I got to have good friends. I was good in school and then I got into more of like um, other extracurricular activities so I realized I have a passion for acting and drama so I used to do a lot of drama and then uh, I used to go to a lot of uh, school competitions, especially math contests and uh, other school contests. And this is where I realized after high school, I was very fascinated with engineering. But um, you know, when you progress with your school, uh, things change. Like you think you want to become this, but then later on you realize, no, I want to become something else. So my goal in life kept changing every time. It was engineering, it was pharmacist. And I think I was basing these uh, goals and what I want to be in future based on like the subject that I used to be good with. So I used to do three sciences and I was like, since I'm good in chemistry, physics and biology, so no, no why not do something related 
to uh, to a course related to what I'm good at. But then I realized that doesn't mean out there that even if you're good in those subjects, it kind of relates to being good in engineering. So when I'm when I got I got done with high school, I passed and I was selected to go to a public university. And government public university in Kenya, they are really, really good. And then this helps with parents not paying too much fee for the university. But then I realized out there, I don't want to do engineering or pharmacist or anything of that. So I had a difficult time realizing what I want to do. And uh, for university, I didn't want to do anywhere in Nairobi near my parents so that I can be going to and from from university and going back home. So I chose a university that is far away from Nairobi and I ended up in Eldoret University uh, in Eldoret. And Eldoret is where we have, uh, you know, these uh, people who compete in running, that's where they come from in Eldoret, like in the Highland areas. So I've never been to Eldoret, so it was a bit different and culture shock also. And the university was like very deep, deep into the into the city. So it was very far away from anything I knew. But it was also a good experience. And this is where I actually got to join um, ISEC, a student organization that helps students to travel, work abroad. And then remember that like I like traveling, so I was really, really fascinated, like, okay, I can join this uh, organization, I can start traveling, this is a very good opportunity. But I forgot, like, even traveling, it needs money, you know, mm. and I was like, okay, so how do people raise money, how do people travel, and the perception, especially in traveling back then, it was expensive, you know, booking a flight, you having your own uh, money. And then in ISEC, we used to have different categories of traveling. First, there was like volunteer work, which you can do abroad for six weeks. And then there's another category where you can work abroad as an internship, a paid internship. And there's another one that you can work abroad as a voluntary, a voluntary internship. So because you are in that period of being students in university, a lot of people were doing uh, the voluntary work for six weeks during holiday. But because I was in a public school, selling the idea of traveling during holidays, a lot of people didn't understand because people are like, so why should I travel? Why should I volunteer? You know, how does this help me in future? So it was very hard to sell this kind of um, activities to uh, my university. But other universities were doing good because some of them were private university and the students had money and during holiday they could travel. But since I had that passion, uh, once I was done with my university, I decided to travel to Rwanda at least because it's nearby, I can go by bus and it doesn't cost a lot of money. And by that time I had saved a bit of money because my parents were like, uh, Tabi, sometimes you don't understand what you, what you do. This thing of traveling, it costs money. Why, don't, why do you want to travel? Just get a job and become a, a normal adult, you know? Like the same thing, you graduate, you start working. But I was like, before starting to work, I need to be out of the country at least. I need to know what's different, you know, before I start working. So I went to Rwanda with my friend uh, for six weeks and it was really, really uh, good and eye-opening, you know, because Rwanda was a bit different. They speak French. So it was so fascinating. And, and the thing is, uh, Rwandese people are very uh, polite. They're very nice. And this is not the same thing back at home in Nairobi, especially because people in Nairobi are very kind of rude. Everyone is in a hurry. You know, there's a lot of noise and everything. But Rwanda was so, so peaceful. And I really got to enjoy uh, my time there because I was doing voluntary um, in a university where we used to teach English and uh, 
yeah, to the students because most of the students, English was not their first language. So this was actually an eye-opening. It really um, made me realize like um, that I'm good in public speaking. It, it boosts my confidence, you know. And it made me realize like I can do much more. I can travel. I can uh, do other stuff that I want. And after the, the voluntary was over, I came back home. And in that period, uh, during our generation, that period, there was a lot of high cases of unemployment. Uh, you know, everyone has graduated, but there are no jobs. So it was really, really actually disheartening because like you have graduated. I graduated with political science and public administration. And most of the jobs uh, with this uh, degree, it was mostly in government uh, institution, um, in non-governmental organization. And in that time, I searched for work, but I could not get any work. And you know, when you're living in a city, especially a capital city, you know, you want to move out from home, you want to start being independent, and there's too much pressure sometimes with young adults and people who have graduated, like finding job actually is the most uh, common thing that you want to do. So what I discussed staying at home, the only way it's probably volunteer again. And in ISEC, once you are done with uh, university, there is another category where you can work as an international level in ISEC and you have to apply like a normal job, you have to be selected. And the good thing with this kind of role, you get at least paid, you know? And I was like, okay, this is a good opportunity. I've been in ISEC, I can apply, I can show off my, uh, my work that I did in ISEC. So I applied, uh, there was a position in Ethiopia and I was like, okay, I've never been to Ethiopia. So let me see if I can be able to apply for this role. So I applied the first round, uh, but I unfortunately I didn't get it. And uh, because I wasn't that prepared, I, did, I just thought, okay, let me apply because I was in ISEC, I'll get it. But I applied it, I didn't get it. And I decided, okay, let me apply the second time. And the second time I applied for a role talent management because I was good with managing people, communicating uh, with people. So I was like, let me apply for this role. And fortunately, I got it. And that was in March, April. And I had to be in Ethiopia by June, beginning of June, because in the national level, you only spend one year in that level. So I had to go to Ethiopia for one year. So this time, I, I didn't tell my parents that I had done this, you know. So I was like, I'll tell my parents after I've gotten in. So I told my, my parents, oh, I got a job. And they're like, okay, where? I'm like, in Ethiopia. I was like, oh, that's good. And I'm like, oh, but it's with Isaac. And I was like, Isaac again? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that Isaac, what has it helped you? I'm like, you never know. You have to just put uh, yourself out there. But the thing is, with this ISEC, you have to pay for your own flight to go to Ethiopia. Uh, so I had to convince my dad, and my dad was like, if I pay for your flight, so make sure when you go there, when you come back, you'll be paying your own flight since you're getting money. And this is the last time I'm going to pay for your flight. You're an adult now, you can be independent. And I was like, yes, you know, you're just like, yes, yes, I'll just pay for me. You know, I had my little savings and I knew I'm going to get paid, right? So I went to Ethiopia in June and uh, there were people already there, the other team, because there was a team of seven. So there's a, um, a colleague of mine was in the business development. We had the president, of course, who's going to be our boss. And then there was me who was in talent management. And then there was another colleague who was in the exchange program. So the exchange program is where you bring people in Ethiopia to volunteer or you take Ethiopians to go volunteer uh, uh, abroad. So I went and uh, a 
culture shock, of course. It's a new place, culture shock. <laughs> the first thing I didn't feel like Ethiopians don't speak English is Amharic. Everything is in Amharic. And I was like, are, are they not in East Africa? How come they don't speak English? You know? And it was so confusing because I've never been to a country where I can't understand a language. So I was like, okay, so I have to make sure I know where I'm going. Talking to, to a conductor or talking to a shopkeeper, I have to know how to say hello in Amharic, you know. It was a bit shocking. And the good thing, our team, we were all foreigners. Only two of our team members were Ethiopian. So all of us were from different African countries. Some were from Nigeria. Uh, my, the president was from Kenya, Asli. And then there was another colleague of mine who was from Ireland. You can imagine from Europe coming to Ethiopia to do volunteer work. And the house which we used to live, uh, we had to share. It was a three-bedroom house, so we had to share the living cost, the, the rooms and everything. But I think the, our successor didn't tell us the truth, the whole truth of like the reality of what we were going to expect. So I thought like everything was uh, said, there was like, um, there was rules, there was everything, but to my disappointment, it was chaotic to say the least, you know? Like some of the successor had embezzled money. So they, we had debt, as I said in Ethiopia, we had debt already. Uh, the house was not paid rent for a few months. And all things we are being told during our first meeting, and I'm like, okay, wow, I'm here. All these things, what am I going to do? And then the shocking thing is, they told us for the first six months, you're not getting paid. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, so how come you didn't tell this? Because we thought you are getting paid because you are doing work. This is not voluntary, you know? We're mm -hmm. not working voluntary, so what do you expect us to do? And I could not tell my parents, I was like, it's bad going back home after coming to Ethiopia. Uh, the colleague, the, uh, the Irish guy had money because he had saved money and you know he had euros. That's okay for him. For all of us who come from Africa, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know? So the successors left and we were um, sworn in in July. So we took our role. So we all decided to stay and see how it goes. And if we are stuck or anything, then we can quit, you know. The fire in us, you know, to change the world, to change and make mm. positive impact, you know. And for a few, for the first few months, oh my God, it was very, very difficult, especially the language with the food. I've never tried injera, which is their uh, national food, you know. It was very difficult adjusting to the food, to the water, to the weather. So we kind of, all of us got sick a bit, but at least we were able to get past it. And then the shocking thing when we came to realize about the organization in ISEC in Ethiopia, there was a lot of mismanagement of everything, of funds, people not doing the work, of partnerships. So they had kind of destroyed all the partnerships and the relationships that they had built over the years. So for our goal, we were like, let's rebuild all the relationships that were destroyed. And the thing is, the most important relationship those successors destroyed is the relationship with the government. And in Ethiopia, nothing works without the government getting involved, especially a non-governmental organization that we had registered as a non-governmental organization. That means we are not getting any profit. So if any money, we get any sponsorship, we are supposed to use it to our own um, activities and not get any profit from it, not even paying the rent, because that means you are using for your own benefit. So it was a lot of struggle for the first uh, six months. We had to talk to the government, uh, different government institutions. We had to look for partnership. 
we had to look for money to pay for rent because imagine not paying rent would be kicked out and the landlady didn't understand like we don't have money you know and uh, we lost our office because we could not pay the rent for the office and then within the six months i just had to explain it to my parents like i'm sorry but i i need uh pocket money to survive don't worry i'm going to look for a job or something else <laughs> and of course not i'm not going to look for a job how am i going to look for a job in ethiopia you know i'm a foreigner and uh at the end of the six months in december i had to go back home and graduate you know the good thing is i had came for a return ticket i had a return ticket so of course probably will come in nairobi i went for my graduation in eldoret i came back and everything so in january i'm supposed to go back in ethiopia you know i decided not to quit even if everything was so bad because i was like if i stay in in kenya i don't have a job so let me just go pretend i have a job even if I'm not getting paid, at least it's in a different country, you know. And so I came to my parents, I proposed, okay, can you pay for my flight again? And my dad was like, flight again? Really? And I'm like, I'm going to pay you every cent for anything you're going to provide for me moving forward. So we actually had to write it down and agree to a, a contract. Like if I owe you money, if you give me any money, I'm going to pay. And so this time I decided, okay, I'm not going just to do ISEC work because we realized we're not going to get paid because there was no money we were generating that will pay us. So I had to look for another job. So I found a job. In ISEC, we, uh, there was this um, internship in Ethiopia, luckily, for teaching English. And I was like, oh, I know English. It's our second language, so I can do it. But I didn't realize I was teaching young kids from three to six years. And these are the kids who all, all their lives since in school and at home, they're speaking Amharic. And the difficult thing is the school, some of the teachers don't know English because remember, English is not their language and they were never taught in school. And the good thing that year government introduced English as a second language to be taught in school. So it was very difficult. Like I didn't know how to start. And you're teaching kids who have, do not understand what you're telling them. So I decided instead of teaching like how we were taught, I was just going to do activities because they are kids, they don't have any perseverance they are very up and down and i'm like i can't just be doing something because i need to be doing something so i was going to school from eight to three luckily and then from three i will go and do isaac work so i used to just uh, look up the internet look for songs some little things that will make the kids learn very simple and during uh, breaks I used to just play with them, communicate with them, because I knew it's going to be hard for them to understand any English if they don't have even the basic. And it, because even talking to teachers, it was hard because they don't have English. So I, I, there was not even doing translation. But the good thing, the kids, um, since I love children, it was nice just talking to the kids. And they're really, really smart kids because by the time I left, at least they were able to introduce themselves in English, you know. They were able to say what they want to become in future. And at least they were able to draw in writing, you know. So that was really good. And so I was done. And after I was done, I decided that I will move abroad again. And this time I decided to go to Budapest because ISEC was advertising roles in Budapest. So I came in Budapest in um, 2019, yeah, end of 2019. Okay, that's a really interesting one. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Growing up, going to school, 
leaving the house you've, that's you've always wanted to travel you've always loved yeah. it <laughs> and you've experienced so much culture shock <laughs> yeah <laughs> so before we go further i want to ask have you paid your parents not yet <laughs> <laughs> i i buy them gifts when i travel uh, as a way of just showing my appreciation and i think they understand i think one day i'll be able to pay them <laughs> oh i love african parents <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay, you've gone from Nairobi to another town in KN to mm-hmm. Rwanda to Ethiopia. And now mm-hmm. you're 27 years old, living mm-hmm. in another country, working. Mm-hmm. Another culture shock. <laughs> yes, of course. Let's talk about that. <laughs> okay, so you know everyone wants to come to Europe at some point, you know? And initially, I didn't know Hungary because, you know, I I was like, Hungary? I was like, everyone wants to come to France, Italy, you know, Germany. So I came to Budapest, Hungary, and the culture shock was kind of similar going to Ethiopia, language barrier. They don't speak English, too, you know. They speak Hungarian. Everything is Hungarian. But the good thing here, I had friends um, who are Isaacers, and this is the friends who I used to be with when I went to India at some point. So it was not like I'm starting from there from scratch. So I had friends who helped me to find a house. You know, you have to find a house. You have to adjust in your own accommodation. They took me to my first day of work. And the good thing in my workplace, because I work in TCS, it's a multicultural environment. So there are many Africans. So that made me happy because at least there are so many Africans I can interact, you know. And I was happy because I've never met different Africans, you know. So I was like, oh, I'm going to learn a lot from the West Africans, from North Africans. And my friends, my close friends who are from here, they are from Latin America, you know. And I was like, yeah, so finally, at least I'm getting to see these people when I was seeing them from TV, you know. Um, So working and living here has been very, very um, good and sometimes challenging, especially the language, as I said. And the role which I am now, it's IT customer support. So I never had the background of IT before. So I was starting from the, uh, from scratch too. But at least because I build up my self-confidence. So I was not like, I'm not, I, I said to myself, like, I have to learn this. I have to do more training. I have to understand the basics. And it has really been challenging, but worthwhile. And I really love where I'm working now in TCS. But um, my goal in future is to really move into either non-governmental organizations. Uh, yeah, so that's my future focus I want to focus on. Uh, but another thing I found as a culture shock here was the change of weather, you know, like winter. I came during winter. So I thought like it will really, really snow the way we see it in TV. And I was like so happy I will experience snow for once and send pictures back home. But shocking, there was no snow. (laughs) No snow at all. It was just cold, really cold and rainy. And I was like, really? Like I want to experience the snow, you know? And I was like so disappointed. Until now, I'm still waiting for my snow. I'm still waiting for the snow in winter you know and I was like why is this no and the thing um, I got sick a bit when I came here because of the change of weather uh, I really got sick and I had to really stay at home for a while to improve because even the diet here is different we cannot find the same food as back at home so I had to adjust my lifestyle my food and also during summer i thought summer would be the good summer they show us in tv nice weather oh my god it's hot like really really hot like the same way as back at home you know like it's scorching and 
there's this uh, perception of blacks cannot use uh, sunscreen. Really start using sunscreen because the sun was too much. So summer was also hello. Yes, uh, the perception of blacks we don't need sunscreen because we have melanin, but that's not true because you can also suffer from the consequences of too much uh, sun, you know. So I had to really look for sunscreen that suits our skin. I had to get used to using sunscreen also too much during summer, but I think they have made Hungary become my second home. And I have Kenyan friends here, I have other African friends, I have other Latino friends. So it's a really good mixture of different cultures. It's going to be easier for me when I travel. I know I have different uh, people that I can stay with from other countries, you know. You've currently met with a lot of people mm -hmm. in your present country, in Budapest. And uh, I'm so sorry you were expecting it to snow, but it did not snow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe we should still be waiting for it to snow. And oh, then you yeah. take pictures and send it home. Oh, yes. <laughs> at least. At least. <laughs> okay. Tell us, uh, so far, tell us about your career and uh, dating life. So in terms of uh, my career... I think I have progressed um, because I'm in the IT sector. I do not want to progress in IT because I don't think I'm suited for that type of uh, career. So I want to progress into either HR or project management. I know my experience in IT will help at some point. But I want to progress in project management. And currently, I have applied for rotation in my company because we can't do rotation. And I'm still waiting for the approval. So hopefully this year, I can start doing a project management uh, kind of role. Um, when it comes to dating, I haven't dated here because I have a boyfriend already. But from the dating scene of how I have seen here, it's a bit, uh, I can say funny, but at the same time, very interesting for my friends because of the different cultures and the perceptions. So the thing is, African ladies are admired so much here. You know, like a lot of people are always fascinated with black girls, African ladies. So... Even if you walk down the street or anywhere in the market, like you can find people smiling at us and everything. But from my friend's experience, they, uh, they always say it's a bit disappointing a bit, you know, because they're not finding people they're expecting. So, but I hope in future they can find the, the one, as they say. But for now, I think they're just happy in terms of like, uh, just going for dates, having friendships, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, you haven't experienced love in the diaspora. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not in Budapest. Not in Budapest. I experienced love in diaspora in Ireland. Okay. That's where my boyfriend is from. Mm. So, yeah. is he currently in Budapest with you? Uh, no, he's in Belgium finishing his master's, but uh, hopefully by summer he'll be here because he also loves uh, Budapest, so he'll be coming here in summer. So have you been coping with the long-distance relationship? Uh, it's been hard, especially because we are from different backgrounds, different cultures and everything. It has really, really, really been hard, especially because in terms of our growth, we are experiencing growth differently in terms of our career path. We are experiencing it differently. We are not uh, enjoying the little things when people are in the same place. And a lot of people actually have been asking, how have you been doing long distance? But uh, for me, I always say it's better to be in a long distance with someone that I think I are uh, someone who I know and I love and it's not like affecting me that much 
compared to being with someone who you uh, who is near but you're not feeling the same kind of love you know but we knew from the beginning we are going to be in a long distance for a while so at least we didn't expect like uh that we are going to be in the same place but i think for us uh we have managed because during holidays or the times that we have we try to spend the same time at the same place and also because we love traveling we like make sure at least every year we travel together so that at least it, it become easier yeah okay so in general just tell us mm -hmm. how has life been like for you living in the diaspora uh, it has been very fulfilling because for me, I feel like if I was back at home, I will not be who I am now, you know. Um, I won't know my strengths. I won't know how far I can push myself, you know. I won't know, like, um, the food, you know. I like to experience different food. And now I like... I'm trying to learn Spanish because I love Spanish and I hopefully at least I'll be able to learn and understand Spanish. But in general, it has been really good, but also a bit um, not bad, but it's very disheartening because you know you're living far away from home, you know, and you cannot travel as much as you want to back at home. Uh, to see your parents, to see your relatives. So that's, I think, that's the downside of living abroad. But I think I will not change for anything. I won't change it. I really, really, really love it. Okay, Tabitha, thank you so much for sharing this story with us. We have some of our signature questions we would like to ask you. Mm -hmm. Okay. For someone who has traveled a lot, you've mm -hmm. eaten different foods, experience culture shocks at different points in time, language issues and all that. What is your definition of freedom as a woman who has been through all these things? I think my definition of freedom will uh, be live uh, uh, your true self, uh, you know, just be who you are, believe in yourself and know your purpose. That will be easier and it will make it easier for you if, even if you are traveling or anything because being who you are, it makes it easier for people to interact with you. And to me, that's really freedom. I feel like I can be anything that I want and with my true self, it will give me the purpose in life. It gives me purpose, a purpose to, to live my life how I want it to be. Okay, so you are a young lady who has been through some disappointment. Mm -hmm. And uh, having journeyed this path mm -hmm. and where you are today, what would be your advice to a young lady who wants to go through the path of volunteering, seeking mm -hmm. for jobs abroad and all that, all that stuff? Okay. Um, I think first... Uh, research like you have to do your research because you have to know what you want where you want to go what do you want to experience you know so that you can know so that when you go somewhere you don't expect and then be disappointed you know and then uh, make sure you have a supportive family and friends who encourages you even if they don't understand at least they make sure they don't uh, they don't say negative things, but support you through the way. And have an open mind. Just know it's a learning process. Have an open mind. You're young, you're full of joy, you're full of experience. Go out there and live life and make positive impact as you go along. Okay, Tabita. Just before we go, if our listeners would like to connect with mm -hmm. you after listening, how mm -hmm. would they get across to you? Uh, so my social handles, my Facebook is uh, Tabi, uh, T-A-W-B-Y, uh, Nyawera, which is N-Y-A-W-I-R-A. -A. And my Instagram, it's 
uh, Nyawira, my last name, but uh, it has a uh, like dot in each uh, letter. So it's n dot y dot a dot w dot i dot r dot a. So those are the social handles I use a lot. Okay, Tabita. It was really nice having you share your story with us today on the table. And you're welcome. All right. So before we go, is there anything else you would like the my listeners to know? Yeah, so one thing I think in future I'd like to do, I'd like to start a podcast like you. And I'm really happy and thank you for the opportunity that I've been able to share my story. And I hope one day I can also have the platform in order to share the same uh, stories with other people. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Okay, thank you so much, Tabita. And maybe when it snows in uh, Budapest, we'll have you again yes. to share the story with us. Yes, and I will send you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you so much, Tabita. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review on Apple Podcast, or simply subscribe from whatever platform you're listening from. Follow the conversation online. You can find us on Instagram at SheTableTalkPodcast, on Twitter at SheTableTalk. All other details about the podcast and our guest for this episode can be found on the show notes. She Table Talk is much more than just a podcast. It is a platform for connecting humans with true stories. Visit the podcast website from the show notes to listen to previous episodes. You can fill the guest form on the show notes if you would like to share your story on the podcast. Thank you and goodbye.